Yeah. Very, very awesome story of a lady that doesn't attend our church, but attends one of our partner churches that we work together with here locally to plant churches and to make a difference in our communities. And the reason why we're showing you that video is because that is something that we are going to partner with them this year and come alongside as churches in our community to bless our communities called Hope for Christmas. Now, if you've ever been around Revolution Church, you know that every year we always give gifts to kids in our local communities. We work with our local schools in both Canton and in Jasper, and we give gifts to hundreds of kids every year. But when we heard about this, we thought, man, this is an even better way to bless people in our community because now it's not just giving gifts to kids for Christmas, but it is also getting gifts to kids and then having their families come to our campuses so that we can bless them with more than just gifts. We'll give them food for Christmas. We'll have a lot of different things. It's an incredible life on mission opportunity so that we can also give them hope. And so this is an incredible opportunity for us as a church in both Jasper and in Canton to serve over 400 kids, 150 families so far, that have signed up on December 11th. They're gonna be coming to our campuses to get gifts and in order for us to serve them as well and give them hope. And so the reason why we're telling you about this is because we want you to be involved. This is an incredible life on mission opportunity for us as a church, like I said, to bless our communities. So two ways that you can be involved. And again, I know it's already weird that we're thinking about Christmas, all right? It's already here. The, 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 the cups have changed, right? The, the menus have changed. It is Christmas time. And so this is an incredible time for us to be together and serve our community. So this is how you can be involved. Number one, you can sign up to sponsor kids. In fact, you can do that on our website. You can go to revolution.church, sign up to sponsor our kids, and you're gonna get two gifts per kid, about $20 to $30 a piece. All this information is on our website or on our app. If you haven't downloaded our app, get with the program. I mean, everybody's doing it, all right? So download our app. But we're gonna be serving, again, families in Jasper. So if you're in Jasper, make sure you sign up to sponsor kids. If you're here in Canton, make sure you sign up to sponsor kids. Again, like I said, over 400 kids already in both of our communities that we're gonna have an opportunity to bless and give hope this Christmas more than just gifts. The second way is you can sign up to serve. All of you that already serve on a team, we sent out emails to talk about this. A lot of people have already signed up. Again, it's on December 11th, Saturday, December 11th. So we're gonna have an opportunity to actually be with these families, to talk with them, to pray for them, to encourage them. That's why we wanted you to see that video, just to kind of get a taste of what it's gonna look like. And again, we'll be talking more about this over the next few weeks, but we've gotta get this stuff started because we gotta get those gifts back in. And so go to our website, sign up to sponsor a kid. If you wanna sign up to serve as well, you can do both in those places, all right? So we're gonna be celebrating this over the next few weeks, and we can't wait to see what God is gonna do in our midst. We love our communities, and our, the, here's the best news. Our communities actually love us, in, in Jasper and in Canton, they love that we do these things. And so we're working with the school systems. And this is one of the primary ways that our school systems are taking care of families that don't have the means to bless their own kids for Christmas. And so we're working with our school systems, with our local communities. And if you're even a business that wants to get involved in this as well, you can get on there and donate as well. All right. So I want you to know about that. Make sure you do it. Now, before we jump into the message today, let's pray and ask God to bless our time together, all right? Pray with me. Father, thank you for 
loving us. Thank you as always for the fact that you have blessed us. You have given us hope. And that happened in the story of Christmas. That happened when Jesus was born in our midst and he became one of us. And God, as we open up your word today, I pray that you would continue to give us hope. You would help us to see the truth that is in Jesus. As we're just walking through the gospel according to John and listening to his words and I pray, God, that we would um, believe, like John said, that that was why he wrote this. He wrote it for us to believe. And God, I know that there are people today that don't believe, and therefore they don't have the hope of knowing of who Jesus is and how they can have hope in their life. And so, God, I pray that you'd open up their eyes today to see the truth. And then for those of us that do, God, would you continue to encourage us that no matter what is going on around us, no matter how crazy the world may seem at times, that you are in control and you are working all things together for our good and for your glory. And God, as we open up your word now, I pray that you'd help me to communicate it in a way that honors you and then is helpful to us. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you got a Bible, open it up to John, John chapter eight. We got into the first part of John chapter eight last week and we're gonna be in John eight for about three weeks, because this is a dense chapter. Uh, I feel like I've said that about every chapter, because every chapter is great, man. I mean, people are like, what is your favorite verse? The one I'm preaching on. And because uh, I just love it, you know, I'm, I'm dwelling on it. I mean, I have favorites too. But in this chapter, in John chapter eight, as I've said many times, Jesus is gonna continue to kind of turn up the heat on who he is because he wants them to understand who he is and they were struggling to understand who he is. And in this chapter, we're gonna get another statement from Jesus that is explaining who he is and it's one of what's called the seven I am statements. And so we're gonna start in verse 12, work our way down to verse 30. So let's do verse 12 and 13 and this will explain what I'm talking about, this I am statement. Verse 12, it says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Now we'll get into their statement and how Jesus responds to that, but let's talk about the first statement that Jesus says there. He says, I am the light of the world. Now, you might have heard at times, I've heard this over the years, how people have claimed that Jesus never claimed to be God. He never outright said, I am God. Well, that is a misunderstanding of what Jesus actually says. Because when he says this statement, I am, he is claiming to be God. Because we know in the Old Testament that God revealed himself when he was talking to Moses at the burning bush, and we've talked about this often, but when God told Moses to go set his people free, Moses asked, who should I tell them that sent me? And God said, tell them I am sent you. Which again, that's just one of those things, if you describe yourself just by the fact that you are, then you are something. Like God doesn't give any descriptions to Moses. Literally, the translation is I am who I am. I is who I is, baby. That's who sent you. I mean, just go, just imagine Moses has to go to Pharaoh and he's like, who sent you? I am. Who's that? He is. Who 
who's on second? Yeah, right. We don't know that. That old skip's awesome. So Jesus, when he says this, here's what's cool. He's giving a fuller picture of the I am. See, with Moses, we just got the revelation that God is. But with Jesus, we get the revelation of who God is. And this is what's so important. If you ever want to know what the Father is like, what God is like, look at the Son. The good news is the Father is like the Son. Because Jesus is, as Colossians says, the visible image of the invisible God. So these seven I am statements in the Gospel of John is Jesus giving descriptions, um, giving a fuller picture, if you will, of the I am. He's already given us one, and we talked about this a while back. I am the bread of life. We celebrated communion. We talked about how the bread is what sustains us. It is, we feast on the bread of life. Now, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. So think about it like this. If you want light, come to him. Because light is what produces life. In fact, John 1 says, in him was light and he, his light was the, or in him was life and his life was the light of the world. And so life comes from light. And there's a, there's a thing when I talk about life, I, I'm not just talking about the, the fact of like what sustains us, although that is true. Because if you think about this, you can't have life without light. Light produces life, literally. I mean, nothing can grow without light. It, it literally, I mean, if you've ever studied science and look at plants and biology and how the sunlight makes things happen, chlorophyll and the whole deal. I mean, it's one of those things that when I was in high school and I was studying, it seemed kind of boring, but now I look back on it, I'm like, man, if I just would have let this help me understand that God did all this, I would have been far more amazed by it, right? But that's the truth. It all comes from light. Now, I want you to think about this in terms of, we know that to be true like in a biological sense, but think about it in terms of your own life as well. A fuller picture of your life will come from the light who is Jesus. Think about it like this. The opposite of light is darkness, right? And Jesus said, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. I don't know about you, but I don't like darkness. Now, we just came through Halloween, right, that weird celebration every year where we all dress up as weird-looking things and go to strangers' house and get free candy, right? And it happens at night, and you know the phrase, the freaks come out at night, and just the whole darkness idea. I don't have a problem, even as a 43-year-old man admitting this, I don't really like the dark. I don't. And it's not that I'm afraid of monsters, I mean, I did watch Poltergeist when I was five years old, which is a horrible parenting season on my parenting part. Freaked me out forever. And all you weirdo people that like scary movies, I ain't into that. I, I, I want to laugh. I don't like the emotion of being afraid. But I was thinking about that this week. 
It's not so much that I'm, a, I'm afraid of monsters that makes the dark scary to me. It's the unknown, right? Like if it's light time and a scary costume walks by, I'm like, oh, that's weird. I'm not gonna be that afraid of it. It, it, it's that the darkness affects my direction. And I got control issues. Anybody who's ever ridden in a car with me knows it's just better to let me drive. Because I, I mean, even when we travel, my wife would tell any staff member would tell you this, they just got to the point of like, they used to offer all the time, like now you wanna drive. They'll even let me drive their cars. Like if I'm riding with them, they're like, you just wanna drive my car? Sure. Right, because it's a control thing. I'm kind of psychoanalyzing myself as I think about this. But what darkness does, the reason why I don't like it is because it, it doesn't, I, I don't know the direction. And I don't know about you, when I don't know the direction, I, I don't do well. I need to know what's coming and how to handle it. I, I think that's the call of a leader. Right, Leaders have to see what's going on around the corner because when you get there and you aren't prepared for it, everybody blames you, right? Which has been one of the toughest things to lead over the last two years. Everybody's like, why did you do this? Do you think I saw this coming? I'm doing the best I can, bro. Like we are flying in the dark on this one, right? But that's the point. So darkness, watch this, darkness affects my direction. Darkness is dizzying. It's discombobulating. What other D word can we think of here? Right? It's disorienting. There we go. You guys are with me. That's what I don't like about it. Because I can walk in a direction and be like, this is the way to go. And then you turn the lights on. I'm like, oh, it was over there. Now, don't miss this. Jesus said, if we follow him, we won't walk in darkness. Now that word follow him is another way of saying obey him. So here's something I want us to ponder. The presence of darkness in our life is directly connected to our disobedience. Think about that. The presence of darkness in our life now, darkness in the Bible is always a metaphor for evil. Is directly connected to our disobedience. Let's make this applicable. What I'm saying is this. If you and I constantly disobey God, we won't know if we're going the right way. Because we'll be living in darkness and the darkness affects our direction. So we can be sure that this is the right way. And then the lights turn on and everybody's like, why'd you go this way? Well, this is the way I thought I should go because it was dark. So what I want us to see is this, the way the will of God works is the way headlights on your car work. Headlights on your car, they don't illuminate you know, a mile ahead because if it did, it would blind the rest of us. Which, with all these new LED lights and stuff, it just already messes with me. Like people, you know, they have, I thought they had their high beams on and I flashed them and then they did it and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't see. 
And then you got these cats with the light bars on their, you know, the top of their trucks. I'm like, you know, look at these young teenage dudes. I'm like, are you doing like an invasion somewhere? Like, why do you need that? Which I'm a redneck. I get it. I got one on my bumper. All right. <laughs> you never know, right? It's, but the idea, like, I thank God for lights. But, but headlights at night work like this. It only illuminates, you know, a couple hundred feet in front of me. And I can't watch it. I, I can't know what's ahead of that until I drive into the light that's already been shown to me. And then I'll get shown more. Then I'll drive into that. And then I'll get shown more. Then I'll light, drive into that. That's how the will of God works. See, a lot of people are like, well, I want to know where I'm going to turn up there. Well, you just keep obeying God until you get there. And then you'll know. That's how it works. I obey God in what he's already shown me, what he's already lit up for me. And then when I obey him, then he'll light up more. I kid you not, the, I don't know if you have the Bible app on your phone, but today's verse of the day, Psalm 119, your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my, anybody know? path, your word. Now, Jesus is the word. So don't miss this. There's a lot of us, watch this, a lot of us walking around directionless in the dark. And we keep saying, God, where are you? And I think he would say back, I'm right back here in the light that I showed you. Why don't you walk back here and obey me? Then I'll show you where to go next. That's how it works. I am the light of the world, Jesus says. Anyone who follows me will not walk in darkness. So Jesus connects. Watch this. Life comes from light. So if you want a fuller life, walk in the light. Walk in the light. Walk in the light of the revealed will of God in the person of Jesus Christ and you will have life. Now let's get into their response. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Verse 14, Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For, now watch this. Relate this to what we just said. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I came from or where I am going. Don't you know a full life is lived by someone who knows where they're going? They know where they came from. They know where they're going. I'll never forget when I trusted Jesus at 13 years old, and, and I, I just knew at that moment he had saved me. People say, when were you called to ministry? When I trusted Christ. No lie. I thought everybody became a pastor. For real, I did. I've said this before. Now I realize everybody is a minister. They may or may not work at a church, but you are called to ministry. Every single one of you, when you got saved, you were called. And from that point in time, watch this, decisions in my life got super easy because I had a direction. I knew what I was doing. People would ask me, hey, you want to go do this? Hey, you want to go do this? I'm going to be a pastor. 
I even, in, in recruiting trips when I was in high school, I was not as good of a football player as my son, praise the Lord, but I was pretty good and I had offers and, and they would try to recruit me to their school and they would always try to, this is what's funny, they'd always try to recruit me with darkness. Have you noticed that? Take me to clubs, take me to all these crazy places. And my answer was no, why? Because I have a direction. I knew what I was doing. I went to school to be a pastor. When I met my wife on our first date, I told her, and I've said this before, if you don't want to marry, if you don't want to live in a hut in Africa, don't marry me. How's that for a pickup line, ladies? <laughs> well, I don't know what she would say, but you know what I think she would probably say now that I've known her for 20 years? She was attracted to the direction in my life. Because this wasn't enough. You know how I know that? Because she told me. I'll never forget, I was preaching a sermon. She's in here. I was preaching a sermon and she walked into the back of the room and I heard angels singing. I was like, oh, right there she is. And then I asked her what attracted her to me. She's like, I really loved your heart. This didn't do nothing for you? I mean, I hope you love my heart, but yeah, what about my hands, my head, right? I'm joking. Obviously, she was physically attracted to me. But my point is this. My point is this. I knew where I was going. I knew where I was going. And my, my hope for you is this as well. I want you to know. Because if you know where you came from, you deal with the emotional baggage of your past, you know where you're going, you have direction, decisions will be far easier for you. That's how Jesus lived. Look at this, verse 15. He said, you judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. Listen to this phrase. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. Listen to this phrase, all right? Jesus says this phrase, and it's so important, and, and the reason why it's so important is not only it tells us about who he is, but it shows us how he lived. And that's what I want us to also see. Not I alone. Now, the reason that Jesus is different than any other teacher is because he wasn't a prophet sent from God. He was God sent from God. He was God in the flesh. And the Father testified about him. We know that when Jesus was baptized, the Father spoke, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. So the father testifies about the son. So Jesus could stand up and say to them, I'm not speaking on my own authority. It's not I alone. So Jesus is different because the father authenticated him. I'll give you the primary authentication at the end because Jesus says it, but just go with me at this point. Now, what that means for us is this. So many people live their lives making judgments 
alone. Don't miss this. We talked about this last week, judgment. Jesus said, you judge according to the flesh. Romans 8, 1 through 4 that I gave you, Paul says, we no longer judge according to the flesh. We no longer live according to the flesh. We live according to the spirit. The spirit of our age says, you judge by how your flesh feels. By how your flesh feels. The idea that if I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do, I can do it. Or I feel like I was born this way. These are the natural desires I have. And therefore, that's what's true for me because it's what my flesh says. Here's the problem with that. That is a subjective judgment. It is I alone. But does Jesus do that? No. He says, for it is not I alone who judge. Now let me apply this to you. You better have another person. You better have a standard outside of yourself that you judge by that's objective. Because if not, you'll live in darkness. Let me ask a question. Have you ever made a decision that you regretted pretty quickly after you made it? Go ahead, raise your hand. That's everybody. That's right. If it ain't up, you're lying. <laughs> or you're like six months old. <laughs> no one has lied to you more than your flesh. No one. And this is the problem with the standard that we create in the world is, well, I'm going to live according to my flesh. Well, here's the problem. What if my flesh, what I feel is offensive to you? Or, or, as I said, what if what I feel is like slapping your mama? We all cool with that? Because if my standard of truth invades into your life, then I can no longer go by how I feel. And this is where the whole argument falls on its face because feelings are subjective. But watch this. Jesus didn't live his life by subjective feelings. He lived his life by objective truth. And he said, I alone don't judge. The problem when you and I judge a scenario is we're subjective. How I feel in the moment. And, and, all I'm, and, and again, if you've lived long enough, you know this is true. You make a decision based upon feelings, then pretty quickly after, you'll regret that. Which is, and I'm not knocking on car salesmen, but which is why they know if you leave the building, you won't buy the car. Right? They're trying to push, they study psychology, they understand human behavior. They don't want you to go away and think about it. They want you to go with your, how did those leather seats feel? Yeah. How did that heated steering wheel feel? Because, you know, that's what we needed was a heated steering wheel. <laughs> now they even make them wear their air conditioning on the steering wheel. I mean, ooh. I, I needed to play uh, Tetris while I was driving. Yes, Lord. Mm -hmm. Does any of that help you get from point A to point B? No. If anything, it distracts you from getting to point A to point B. They know. If you go home and think about it, see, any financial planner would tell you, do not make any big financial decision without 24 hours, without sleeping on it. 
without living rationally, not going by how you feel. But that's not what they do. They know if you leave and think about it, you won't do it. Why? Because we are sinners. And here's what I'm trying to say. You better live your life by this statement, not I alone. Not I alone. I'm, I'm living my life according to the direction that God laid out in his word. Because his word can be trusted. It's timeless. It applies to every culture, every generation, because truth is eternal. Jesus lived his life like that. Verse 19, they said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Have you noticed John has said that multiple times? God's in control here. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me. Now listen to this phrase, and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. See, this is where it kind of blows up the theory that Jesus was just like Mr. Rogers. You know, he's super nice, wore cardigans and held babies and had lambs, right? Like he just, look at him, he's so good. Jesus said to them, you're wrong and you'll die in your sins. Now that's an intolerant statement, isn't it? But hear me, it's not unloving. Let's apply this. Is it unloving for me to tell my kids, hey, if you do this, it won't go well with you? No. That's why I told my kids, hey, we don't play out by the yellow line in the road. It ain't gonna go well with you. That's why we don't get into cars with people we don't know, stranger danger, right? It will go well with you. I, we do this all the time. But yet somehow we live in a culture that says this is mean and rude if we do this. Not if we believe that darkness produces no direction. And so this is what you're saying to someone who's living in the darkness. How do you know there's not a cliff at the end of that decision? Well, I just how I feel. Have you been to the end and see how it turns out? No. We call this in, in uh, business, we call this reverse engineering. Look at the end and then come backwards. People do this with products all the time. They look at their product because it sells and they say, how do we engineer something like that? Here's all I'm saying to you. Do the same with your life. Reverse engineer it. Look at the end and come back to now and say, how do I get there? Jesus is saying, if you don't, you'll die in your sin. Now he goes on, look at this. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Since he says, where I am going, you cannot come. He said to them, you are from below and I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Two prepositions there, if you know me, I, you know I love those, from and of. You are from, you are of. You are from below, you are of this world. I am from above, I'm not of this world. Those two are preposition of sources. 
What that means is Jesus was saying, the source of your life is from below. The source of my life is from above. Watch this. You will return to your source. Not only will you return every day, you'll keep going back to it, but eventually you'll return to it eternally. If you live from below, you will return below. If you live from above, you will return above. Which is why Colossians 3 says this, seek the things that are above. Set your mind on things that are above. Why? Because our new life is from above. Our old life is from below. See, here's the end. That's what Jesus is saying. Begin with the end in mind. Ask yourself this question. What direction is this decision taking me? Is this decision taking me to the direction of below? Or is this decision taking me to the direction of above? Because you make enough of those decisions, one day you'll land yourself in one of those two destinations. He says, he goes on, I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Kind of like, who do you think you are? Jesus said to them, I love this phrase, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I love it. I am not telling you anything new. I'm, I'm telling you what I've been telling you from the beginning. You would do well to listen. I have much to say to you about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world that I have what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. They did not understand. See, that's the problem. The problem is we don't understand. We don't understand that destinations come from decisions. And that's not just a teenage problem. Now, with teenagers, and I love teenagers. I used to be one. I've got some. I'm not knocking on teenagers. Because in the flip side, teenagers can follow God almost with a reckless abandon that adults I wish had. But the key to navigating through your teenage years successfully is that point right there. Every decision leads me to a destination. And the problem with teenagers is the back part of their brain is developed where the hormones are. The front part of their brain is not developed where that is the decision-making capacity is. Literally, that's not developed until you're about 18 to 20, you know, early 20s, depending upon your own maturity level. And, and watch this. How many decisions were made within that time frame of life that led to different destinations? My pastor used to say, people made decisions that caused decade delays. Like delayed things for a decade. We'll talk more about that in our next series about how important it is to make the right decisions now because it affects decades. But I want you to get this point now. Understand. And here's what I want you to understand. Three things, three points that 
Jesus says from these texts that we just read. I'm going to recap everything we just read for you so that you'll get the picture, all right? First one, Jesus equals the light of the world. Jesus equals the light of the world. Second one, following him equals not walking in darkness. Jesus is the light, so therefore following him equals not walking in darkness. But here's the third one that Jesus just said, and this is the heavy one. Not believing him equals dying in darkness. Not believing him equals dying in darkness. So if he is the light, if I follow him, I won't live in darkness, then the reverse is also true. If I don't believe him, not only will I live in darkness, I'll die in it. Because that's below. Remember I told you darkness is a reference to evil. Well, God has to punish evil. He is a just God. And so if God does not send darkness to below to be judged in a place that the Bible calls hell, then he is not a just God. But here's what I want you to hear me say. Hell was not made for humans. Hell was made, theologically speaking, for the devil and his demons. And this is where we get this misconstrued idea of hell. Satan is not down there with red horns and a red pitchfork. Now, come on now. He's not down there. You know where he is? He's here. He's here right now. And he masquerades as an angel of light because he showed up with a pitchfork. Everybody would run. No, he masquerades as a version of the truth saying, go with what you feel. He masquerades with his demons, his spiritual powers behind government systems that push evil upon people, but everybody thinks it's gonna be great and then bam, it turns into evil and death. Hell was made for him and his demons. It was not made for humans. You need to know that. But here's the truth. Humans will go there with him and will be, he is not ruling and reigning in hell. He never will be. He'll be punished there. He'll be abandoned there. He doesn't want to go there any more than you do. But we will die there in, the Bible calls it utter darkness. The darkest of darkness. We will die there in our sins with him unless we believe in Jesus. You say, where do you get that from? Look at these last few verses and we're done. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the father taught me. And he who sent me is with me he has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Many believed in him. Believed what? Believed that he could get them out of darkness. 
See, I believe it's Peter who said he transferred us out of the kingdom of darkness into his marvelous light. Friends, I don't want you to die in darkness. You say, well, how can I know? I mean, this is all faith. How can I know that Jesus can transfer me out of the domain of darkness and into the kingdom of light? How do I know Jesus gave you the test when the Son of Man is lifted up? When he's lifted up, then you'll know. Now, that can mean many things lifted up onto the cross. I think it means multiple things at once, not one or the other. He was lifted up on the cross, but he was buried, watch this, buried in the dark. Behind a stone. But on the third day, if you know the story, God rolled the stone away. Light came in. And Jesus came out. He was lifted up a second time. That is how you know. See, any other thing, watch this, any other thing that promises you life, put it through a simple test. Does it end well? Does it end well? See, any other Teacher, any other system, any other belief. This is where, again, I say this all the time because it's the anchor of our faith. The anchor of our faith is not that Jesus went on the cross. The anchor of our faith is Jesus got up out of the grave. What other person has done that? To never die again. No one. See, our faith is an evidence-based Faith. It is not faith, watch this. It is not faith of jumping out into the dark. It is faith of stepping onto the light, saying, Jesus is the rock. He came out of the grave. And since he came out of the grave, I can trust him with every decision in my life because every decision in my life is going to get me to the destination of heaven based upon who Jesus is. See, that's the difference. That's the difference. And no other man, no matter how handsome they are or how good they smell, can give you that, can deliver that destination. Only Jesus. Jesus said, when I'm lifted up, you'll know. And so here's the invitation to you. Do you believe in him? I love how Jesus says it. The Father is with me because I always do what's pleasing to him. Friends, if you come to Jesus, the Father will be pleased with you because he's always pleased with Jesus. The Father will never leave you because he never leaves Jesus. If you're in him, you won't die in your sins. So we either die in him or we die in our sins. That's the truth of it. So if you make this decision, it will change your destination forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you as always for the truth of Jesus.
He is the way to life because he is the truth. No other person can promise this certainty like Jesus because no other person has come back to life again like Jesus. That's how we know. And so God, I pray right now for anybody listening or watching that has never made the decision like many around Jesus when he said these things to believe in him. God, I pray today that you would open their eyes to see the truth about who Jesus is and then they would decide. They would decide to leave the lostness of the darkness and walk into the light so that their life can have direction and a new destination. No one looking around or talking here as we close, if you wanna pray and trust Jesus, then you can pray with me. You don't have to do it out loud. And it goes like this. Say, Father, thank you for loving me that you sent your son Jesus in my place for my sin. Thank you that he went into the ground. He died in my sins. And he rose again, conquering my sins. So I believe him. I ask you to forgive me of my sins in Jesus. I'm trusting him alone. Again, nobody looking around or talking. If you just prayed to trust Jesus and you're in one of our locations, would you just simply do me a favor and lift up your hand so we can see that? Thank you. The reason why is we just have a gift we wanna give you and so we got men and women gonna walk around, put a gift in your hand and when they do, you can put your hand down. Thank you. And whether you're online or in person, in just a moment, you'll have an opportunity to fill out our digital connection card and let us know who you are so we can follow up with you. But then those of us who trust Jesus, let's make a decision today to follow Jesus. And if your life right now is lacking direction, listen, we all go through those seasons of darkness. Sometimes those seasons are brought on by bad decisions. But sometimes those seasons are brought on by the right decisions. God allows, unbeknownst to us, why a season of darkness and confusion. But I can tell you the reason is, is because he wants you to push through in determination and double down on the decision to follow him. Know that it was confusing for Jesus on the cross. He obeyed God and it went worse for him but he trusted God. And then the worst thing that had ever happened became the best thing. So no matter what's going on in your life, I pray that you would make a decision that this direction is fixed. You're gonna follow Jesus. And then every other decision gets easier. Who you should marry, what you should do, how you should live, how you should give how you should serve, all those things. Father, I pray that you'd bless us. Bless us with the fullness and the power of your spirit.
As we talked last week, grace is the power to do right. And so God, I pray that you would give us the power to stay steadfast in our decisions because our direction is fixed. Our eyes are on you. We ask you to bless that in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you, church.